Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Imagine if you could dry, detangle, style, and volumize your hair all in one step. Well, it's easy with the Not Doctor All in One Dryer Brush by Conair. Create beautiful blowout styles at home with a powerful 1000 watt motor for quick drying and easy glide flexolite bristles for snag free detangling. Customize styling with three heat settings and use the cool shot to lock in your look. Ionic technology reduces frizz, bonus attachment volumizes your hair, makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for the Not Doctor All in One Dryer Brush now. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is the Football Grad's creator, Forbes contributor, and transfer market contributor. Oh, it's getting long-winded to say this, Manu Vett, um, joining me. Um, yeah, how many more titles am I going to need? And uh, hopefully no more, because I don't think I have any more time to do anything else. But Bryce, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. And no, the titles will never be a problem. But Manu, more importantly, I'm I'm good. I don't really have too much to report apart from the exciting um, the excitement of being on the podcast and talking Bundesliga once again. But more excitingly, is that you're in Germany, eh? Yeah, I'm, I made it over here. I was I flew from from Vancouver to to the Frankfurt on on Friday. I arrived Saturday. Um, and then yesterday I was, of course, at the Spitzenspiel between um, Bayern and, and Leipzig. And then well, we'll get to this in a moment. But uh, I, had, I have a few appointments in Hamburg this week at the Transfermarkt office. And yeah, um, Sturm Sabine, I think it has a different name for it in, in the UK, Cien or something like that, wreaked havoc over Germany. And I mean, literally wreaked havoc over all of Germany. And um, it it was very, very difficult to get up. My day started at 6 a.m. and uh, it's now close to 10 and I got in about an hour ago. So, But I'm here um, and i um, really excited to be here on this podcast. Good stuff. You got there safe and sound, even if it was a bit long-winded. No pun intended. But uh, joining uh, Manu and myself, as always, is football journalist and Forbes contributor as well, Chris Williams. Uh, Chris, I feel that you're not that far away from Manu at the moment. No. Uh, I can actually see him from where I am for, for I think maybe the first time in two years. Uh, Manu and I are in the same location for a podcast. So, yeah, we're, we're basically sitting next to each other. So I'm in Hamburg, a beautiful city of Hamburg, which I had a look around today on my afternoon off. Um, yeah, it was wonderful. Uh, so, yeah, all going good, Bryce. Thanks. I went to see a fantastic game of football and then had a game of football stolen from me by the uh, by Storm Sabine. So, yeah, it's, it's um, led to a lot of problems here. Yes, it has. It's taken 151 podcasts uh, for us to, uh, to finally have two of us together in the same room doing one. Eh? Oh, God knows what will happen in another 151. But anyway, let's get down to business and talk football. 
But, you know, Chris, you and I are British, so we'll do what we do best, and we'll talk about the weather. Uh, Chris, uh, as you mentioned, um, a game was stolen from you. You were planning to go see Borussia Mönchengladbach taking on Cologne. Uh, that didn't exactly happen on Sunday, did it? Um, I, I think, uh, first of all, we'll touch a little bit uh, on the cancellation of that game, but also just find out you know, how exactly that's hit the country. There's plenty of talk in the UK about it and games cancelled and it being difficult for all of us, but um, you know, a lot of people just think, oh, you know, the, the journalists just managed to get to these games, but not quite the case. Chris, it's been a, a bit of a tricky weekend for you yeah not not just for me but for everybody but yeah the game was cancelled and it was cancelled out of safety really because the weather uh, did turn um and it turned quite severely thankfully i was staying in dusseldorf for the match uh, which is a very quick hop over to gladbach uh, but i managed to get out of there um sunday morning round about half 11 after the match was cancelled uh, to get my train over to Hamburg. Um, had I not done that, then I wouldn't have been able to get here because most of the trains had cancelled later on in the afternoon. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a sensible decision. And it was made really early, Bryce, which is excellent to see. So I got up around about half past nine um, Sunday morning and the game had already been cancelled, um, which is which is good because I think it stopped people travelling and, and maybe going out when they shouldn't have done. And I get it's a derby, so... The travelling wasn't particularly that far between Gladbach and Cologne. Manu and I did it um, in December when we travelled from um, Cologne to, to Gladbach to watch a game. It took about an hour, but it, when the weather's as bad as it has been, that you know that's a, a real big safety implications for, for everybody, for players, but for more importantly for the fans, for all the you know thousands of people that would have been in the stadium. And when Manu and I were there in um, December, when I was there two weeks ago. Gladbach is is flat as a pancake, so when the wind comes, it rips across, um, it rips across the whole area, and and it swells around in the stadium. So anything more than normal would have been un- incomprehensible. So the right decision was made. Um, left a lot of people stranded. Um, Dan Pinder, who Manu and I, and I think you know well, Bryce from Get German Football News, was was there at the game I was at on. Friday, uh, sorry, on Saturday night, which was the Leverkusen Dortmund game, he was stranded, couldn't get home. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a tough weekend for everybody. But I mean, it's not the only game. Those games cancelled all across Europe. But I think it shows that when nature's as bad as it is, then reality and and life has to take a front seat, and football takes a back seat. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to think of everyone's safety and health, obviously. Uh, you know, before these type of uh, travel arrangements are made. Um, Manu, you talked just about a, uh, an awfully long day that you've just uh, experienced. Um, th- this is a bit of an unusual circumstance, isn't it? It, it doesn't happen very often. Um, as far as I'm aware, there has not been a date or a time put down to reschedule the game yet. That will be coming up uh, in the coming weeks. But uh, it, it, it does... You put things into perspective sometimes, doesn't it? Like as Chris was saying, that you know sometimes you have to look beyond football uh, when these do, things do appear. Yeah, it was really kind of interesting yesterday because, of course, I was in, in Munich and a lot of journalists came from out of town, um, sitting next to Stefan Ursfeld from ESPN, for example, who traveled down from the Hannover area, right, which is a very far way to go. And, uh, and there was journalists there from Berlin. There was a bunch of journalists there from Leipzig. 
And when we all got to the stadium, it was a beautiful sunny day yesterday. I sent pictures to, to Chris, mostly to make him jealous, to be honest, but because it was sunny, beautiful. We were out in the beer garden drinking beer. It was 16 degrees in sunshine. You could not guess that the weather would turn the way it would. But, I mean, the, the prognosis was quite clear that around 6 o'clock in the morning, Munich would get hit by 150 kilometer hours wind. And we did. And um, already that evening at about, this was about half time. Um, in in at the Leipzig Bayern Leipzig game that we got the news from the Deutsche Bahn that all long distance trains were cancelled and I tell you a lot of journalists were not actually looking at the game trying to write the match reports there was a lot of them saying okay well how am I actually going to get home and I think um, my travel story is quite exemplary for the travel story for a lot of people um, I was supposed to take a train at 6 a.m. this morning to get to Hamburg. I already found out last night that that was not going to happen. And then the train at 7 got cancelled. The train at 8 got cancelled. Um, I eventually got to this. I eventually the 10.19 got through to Hamburg. I got to the station after I saw that the 11.19 got through too. But then the 12.19 got cancelled because there was a train coming from Hamburg and then I didn't actually make the way down. Um, but then fortunately they added um, a stop to the train that was going to Berlin. So I actually went from Munich via Leipzig to Berlin and then it went across the country to from nonstop from Berlin to Hamburg and uh this journey that was supposed to start at six AM ended at eight eight PM for me and I got here and the first thing I said to Chris when I ran into him was like, I need a beer but I I you know I spoke to some of our colleagues and it's literally like that for everyone because Safety is a big issue. I mean, when you looked at the, the, the storm gusts were 150 kilometer an hour wind. And I, I tell you, if the, the, the big problem for games is that it's the travel for fans going to and from the games inside the stadiums. You don't really feel it that much. Now, of course, this has created a big issue because the rescheduling for this game, um, we all know the scheduling is very tight. Where are you going to fit in a derby game, right? You can't just put it any time. You have you have to put it at pretty much prime time. And so they're talking about potentially one of the Europa League slots um, that Gladbach would have gotten anyways, but they got eliminated from the Europa League. Um, the one issue with this is, and uh, Chris and I can both relate to this, uh, Köln do not want to play during a carnival week because the players and this team and want to fa- celebrate with the fans. So uh, it's going to be a little tricky to find a, a proper date for this game. Yeah, it can't be uh, an easy job uh, rescheduling when there's so many different uh, games and schedules and carnivals to go to. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and just see when that is possibly uh, rescheduled for. But uh, with it being a derby, it's going to be an exciting one when we do get round to it. Guys, we've kind of covered the weather. I feel we need to um, talk about uh, the games at the weekend. And we'll start off with the game that rained goals. See what I did there? Um, Chris, let's go to talking about uh, Bayer Leverkusen versus Borussia Dortmund. It seemed like only, uh, well, it was only last week we were talking about Borussia Dortmund possibly pushing on for a title challenge. But then uh, midweek, they were stopped by Werner Bremen in the Pokal, which was probably a little bit unexpected. And then a goal fest, maybe less expected this weekend, but the late kickoff on Saturday seen a hell of a thriller. 4-3, but they were on the losing end once again uh, against uh, Peter Bosk um, facing his old side. Uh, Chris, it, it just always seems like when Borussia Dortmund get into a position you know, where we can talk about them pushing on to win the league, 
then they just fall again. <laughs> it seems like we do this all too often. Yeah, we do. But let's not take anything away from, from the game itself. It was uh, probably the best game that I've been to this season. And that includes some fabulous Champions League games that I've been to, um, as well as Bundesliga games and Premier League games. So the quality of football w- was really high, uh, unless you like defending. And then it was a pretty terrible game. But we all like goals. Um, goals make games. Goals win points. And and yeah, it, it didn't start particularly good for Dortmund. Um, but then... They turned around and then it didn't end for them particularly well. I think we saw the very best of Lucien Favre's Dortmund and the very worst of Lucien Favre's Dortmund. And unfortunately for him and for Dortmund, it was a real poor result in what was a weekend where they ended up second. They played some good football, but um, Bayer Leverkusen just wanted it more. Uh, Manu and I were chatting after the game. I think Bayer Leverkusen outran Dortmund, which is not something you see very often, but they put a lot more kilometres in um, than Dortmund did on the pitch. Um, So individually, the players were working harder. They were covering more ground. Bayer Leverkusen's pressing was exceptional. Um, Their ability to defend um, towards the end of the match was was pretty good as well, something we've criticised Leverkusen of. Um, not just of late, but maybe the last couple of seasons, even before when Peter Bosch was there, they wanted to win this game because I think they knew that, I think like most of us did, I certainly predicted a draw between Bayern and Leipzig, not particularly um, a nil-nil draw. I thought it would have been a 2-2, possibly even a 3-3. I said to someone I could see um, Lewandowski getting a few and Werner being on the back end of that. But I, I did think they would draw, which left one of these two teams to to make headway into the the top four or even a, an assault on the top, you know, the very top of the Bundesliga itself. But yeah, in, in the end, it, it came down to Dortmund's inability to defend and, and leaking two goals in in less than a minute after being three two up. Um, it, it was was pretty poor overall. So yeah, not a very good weekend for Dortmund, but a, an exceptional weekend for Leverkusen and and Bryce, the, the people in the stadium. We're really happy, not just the fans, but I had the club media in front of me. I had club analysts, a couple of rows in front of me as well. Um, real celebrated. It was such a big win for them um, because they know what an important victory is for them to maybe get back into the Champions League next season. Where you know they did okay in the end. Um, they were in a very tough group, but I think they're showing now that they can dig in. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of questions that have opened up for Lucien Favre, who wasn't in a particularly good mood when I ran into him in the mix zone. Neither was Erling Haaland, who didn't even want to speak to some of his compatriots from the Norwegian press. Um, Emre Chan, who's always been very chatty with me in the past at Liverpool and when he was at Juventus, um, said hello, but that was basically it. Wanted to go. Um, yeah, it wasn't a good day for Dortmund at all. No, not at all. And if you haven't checked out the highlights, I would advise that you do. Um, as Chris said, some spectacular football. We've seen uh, the opening goal by Volland was a very direct, wonderful bit of football. Emery Chan's opener on his debut was something else as well. Um, Chris, um, just to talk a little bit about, um, you know, we don't like to bring it up, but but we have to, uh, the bit of controversy um, during the game um, involving VAR and calling some goals back. Uh, right decision, do you think? Well, that's a, that's a real um, interesting question because, <clears throat> excuse me, under the, under the guise of the law, any foul anywhere on the pitch is a foul. So, 
if 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 you're in a team and I'm in I'm in the opposing team, Bryce, and, and there's an attacking um, phase of football going on 80 yards in front of us, and and I do something which is deemed as a foul. So if I was to kick you, that the play can be brought back for that. But VAR is supposed to get involved in in um, it, the protocol is written in such a way that it can be interpreted in this way. It was a real good. There's a real good piece on Twitter from um, Kalina Serban, who, who does tweet in, in English occasionally, but he, he, he tweets about VAR. And there's also Dale Johnson from ESPN, who obviously tweets in English. And, and those two came together today. For, there's a really good Twitter thread on that, um, which is about what the IFAB, the International Football Association, um, wants um, and, and how it's being interpreted. So what we've seen, um, not just in the Dortmund game, but also in the game, uh, the Bundesliga uh, 2 game that uh, Dinamo Dresden played in the night before, um, the, there's been not problems, but interpretation problems. Um, so, for instance, I don't think the goal gets disallowed in England um, because the Premier League doesn't really look at Reina's foul um, as in a direct consequence of that goal. Um, but the the DFL um, DFB have, and the, the way that VAR is being instigated in Germany have said that you know a foul anywhere on the pitch. I, I don't think Reiner's foul impacts on Bayer Leverkusen's ability to defend that goal um, that was scored by Sancho, and that that turns the game on its head um, for me. There, that I don't think there's any coming back from that, and I don't think Dortmund would lose that position. So, it is a game changer. Um, but it's it's another indication of a VAR the, the policy being a little bit too loose and up for interpretation. It was brought in to make the game better. It was brought in to make sure that goals which were incorrectly awarded um, were ruled out, and, and vice versa. And I think this is a good a good a good example of of where the rules are a little bit too grey. And they can be interpreted one way or the other because, um, yeah, it, it was disallowed as the Dresden goal was disallowed. Um, but in other leagues like the Premier League, that goal stands. So where are we in the whole scheme of things? I think there's a lot there. And that's a rhetorical question, that price. I don't expect you to answer it. Um, I think there's a lot of things for the IFAB to look at in the closed season and just tweaking VAR because it's not going anywhere. Fans don't like it. Uh, I understand why. Um, I personally see its benefits, but I can understand the frustrations. Um, it's not going anywhere, so it needs to be tweaked in order to get the best possible use. Um, and, and also, that match-going fans are, are aware of what's going on. So, yeah, that, that doesn't really answer your question, because um, the question can't be answered because the rules are so great at the moment. Yeah, I have an opinion about this. Um, I thought about this quite quite long and hard, and when, when I saw the replay, I, I was 100% certain that they would call this back and I think and Chris points this out quite well um, under, under the way the laws are interpreted um, this was the correct call that doesn't make it right <laughs> I think that when you look at the the fact that Claudio Reyna uh, uh, Giovanni Reyna sorry Claudio is of course his father who also played in the Bundesliga but yeah Giovanni Reyna the way he brings uh, Bender down there um, by the interpretation of the law is, is a foul but Bender doesn't have a chance to get to the ball in this situation at all. He like even even though he's brought down, um, he's so far behind the play that he it doesn't influence 
the game. So I think actually the way the referees made the decision and the way they come to the conclusion is actually quite exemplary of how VR is used in its execution because it was very quick. But I think the problem here lays in the actual law itself. Um, I think when we brought in VAR, we didn't think of um, fouls like that one when it came to the, the, the VAR being making the game a fairer game. It was supposed to make a game a fairer game for goals missed, like the Maradona handball, for example, right? Or the, um, the, the Wembley goal, or the, the goal that England scored against um, Germany in the 2010 World Cup. And we've, we've got goal line technology for that, which is great. But the handball, for example, Maradona's handball, that would have been easily ruled off. It was brought in for the elbow behind the game that was hit someone in the face. We had a great example of that this match day as well in the Bundesliga, right? Um, the Sidane incident, for example, at the World Cup final, all of this stuff, that's what VER was brought in. It was not brought in because some 17-year-old teenager pulled down a defender five meters away from the game that had no influence at all. And I think this is something where we maybe need to look at VER and say, okay, well, um, maybe we have crossed the line a little bit too much. We're using the technology in perfectly well, in my opinion, because again, the way they did it, they did it quick, the decision was made fast, and it was perfectly by the book, but maybe the book is wrong. Yeah, I have a feeling that the VAR chat is not going to go away just yet, maybe even ever, but yeah, something needs to be done to address these kind of things. Um, but just to go back to you one last time, Chris, on the game, uh, we mentioned that we see this type of thing happen all too often. Um, I mean, yes, this goal has been ruled out. If this goal had went in, maybe it would have been different. Is it just down to luck with Dortmund? Are they doing something wrong? We've had Emery Chan say that they need to play dirty. Is is that the answer? They need to get stuck in more? And I suppose, finally, have they thrown away the title? Um, I don't think they've thrown away the title because it was only seven days ago that we were talking about how um, they were back in the title race. And I think you can you can extrapolate that all the way up the season and how close the Bundesliga title race is. I think we were looking a few match days ago about how um, maybe Gladbach had, had lost that ability now to top the table. Well, they've got a game in hand and and you know the top two drew, so you could say that maybe the ball's in their court if they want to take on the title fight. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be a difficult one, I think. Um, for Dortmund not to come back from but maybe psychologically to come back from I was there um, in the mix zone on Saturday night and the question was asked of Erling Haaland is it a mentality issue with Dortmund now I think we can all remember the, the response that Marco Royce gave to that um, Haaland just said that the team needed to improve on the training pitch he also cited that he wasn't particularly good himself that evening. He had a couple of opportunities, maybe one real good crystal clear opportunity, um, and, and he didn't score, something that we're not used to seeing over his brief appearances in the Bundesliga. But uh, sometimes football throws up very strange anomalies, and I think that match is a good indication. Um, I, I didn't want it to break for half-time. Had it not broke for half-time, it might have ended up 10-10. It, it could still be playing now, Bryce, on on Monday night as we record this and the goals would still be going in. It was just one of those very strange games. Um, but Dortmund never really looked in control, even when they were three to up. They still looked a little bit suspect at the back. Now, does Lucien Favre maybe make a more defensive substitution when they're three to up? Um, because 
I think the way Dortmund play is it's very attacking, but it does allow opponents the opportunity to score goals, and that's obviously what Leverkusen did very quickly. Interesting that Peter Bosch made a defensive substitution when they went up. So when they went 4-3 up, he made a defensive substitution, which did allow Dortmund to attack more, but it gave them greater opportunity to defend, which they did very well. Um, I know Axel Witzel went close, but it was offside, so the offside trap worked. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting the next couple of weeks, more so for the Champions League, because um, I, I tweeted out a video that I took of Julian Brandt limping through the mix zone. Um, he didn't look particularly happy uh, or particularly well. Can we say it's well if he's if damaged himself? But yeah, the, later on that evening, um, Dortmund confirmed that he'd, he'd actually done some damage to his ankle ligaments, so he, he, would, he wouldn't be in the game against Frankfurt. Um, if he's done his ankle ligaments, I very much doubt he'll be in the game against Paris Saint-Germain, which will also... Um, you know, knock out some of the other the, the other problems they've got with injuries as well. So that that one game and that one problem all of a sudden has knock-on effects for the, the remainder of their season. So we'll have to wait and see how it goes for them. But yeah, the implications, I think, could be felt for the next couple of weeks with regards to that defeat. Yes, indeed. We're going to have to see how the next few weeks pan out for Lucien Favre, Dortmund, and I suppose Bayer Leverkusen. Dortmund sitting in third with 39 points, where Leverkusen are in fifth with 37. Let's talk about the top two, though. Manu Vett was there to see Bayern Munich playing at home to RB Leipzig. That was first versus second. We were so excited about this. And then it was nil-nil, as always happens. Hey, you, you don't see that coming, do you? But, um, Manu, if we talk about the game, would this be an early title decider for Bayern? Um, I would say that they're going to be the happier of the two to come away with that result. Well, first of all, it didn't seem like that uh, in the press box afterwards. I think they were quite unhappy with the result. But I did have this down as as an early title decider because... When Dortmund threw away their win, and that basically I think they did, the danger was that Bayern going four points clear of of Leipzig, you know that at this stage of the Bundesliga season, if Bayern go four points clear, they're not going to give that away. Um, they're not like any other side in this in this league, and they have um, a, if when they're clear of the ta- from the table, they're going to stay clear. Um, so you really had the sense that if Bayern put a Leipzig away, they're going to walk through this league. And um, I think that they very much played like that in the first 45 minutes. I, I thought Bayern were... It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. In... The middle of the park were quite excellent. Um, the, the player that stood out the most for me, and, and I saw him quite close because, you know, the way the press box is in the Allianz Arena, you kind of uh, in, in the first in the first row um, of the three tier um, three tier uh, stadium, right? And 
Um, so you have a very good view. And I was I was further left um, of the press box, which means I was on the end that Davies was attacking. And I'm saying attacking because he was nominally playing as a left back. But he, playing with David Alaba together, he, it allows him to really push up the field. And when you look at the seat map, he played very, very far up. And Serge Gnabry is a player who, as a left winger, actually plays more of a forward, a central forward. So he had a lot of space out there. And uh, I spoke to Tyler Adams, who was the unfortunate person who had to play neck against him after the game. And he said it was it was very, very difficult because he almost had to man-to-man mark him. And they, they know each other quite well because they play together against each other in MLS, right? And, and I mean, they play each other quite often when Canada plays the United States as well. So they know each other. But he says it's very difficult because he's so fast and it's very hard to, to, to keep and handle on Davies. And I thought he was quite excellent. The problem for Bayern in this game was that even though Davies was so dominant on that left flank, and if you don't believe me how dominant it was, go online and check out his heat map. It's bright red through the, the, the upper third all the way almost to the back third. Um, there was a scene where he like chased down Danny Olmo from all the way from his own patch uh, all the way back. They were so dominant on that left flank, but they were not able to convert any of those chances that went into the, the penalty box. Um, I think there was one chance that Lobo Obert Lewandowski had, that Dayot Mekano cleared off the line in the first half, but the actual shot chances, goal shots scored, shot on goal weren't actually that high for Bayern. I think they, they, someone posted an XG map is, was very low on both sides and Leipzig didn't have a shot on goal until the 14th minute. Um, and then they had another chance uh, around the 30 minute mark, but there wasn't much from Leipzig. And it was really interesting because, uh, Chris and I talk about this quite often is how Nagelsmann goes into a game with a tactical setup, and then he realized, oh, well, maybe this was the wrong setup. And as the, the ha- first half progressed, you could see him sort of switching around his team, trying to make the most of the space that Bayern was offering with that high um, high defensive line, right? And they were they were getting better at it towards towards the end of the first half. And then in the second half, Marcel Sabitzer should have put that one away. We actually asked him about this um, in, in after the game. I spoke to Marcel Sabitzer and he said the ball came to him and he saw on, on, on the very edge of his left eye, he saw that Benjamin Pavard was coming in for, for a tackle. So he tried to get the shot high and that was the wrong decision. Um, I also spoke to Timo Werner. He had a couple misses. The second miss, he said the ball did a hobble before it came to him because, I mean, people were already saying, oh, yeah, Timo Werner crisis. He wants out of RB Leipzig and all that sort of stuff. But actually, the ball took funny bounds. And, of course, you don't see that. It's so fast in real time, right? But those were two big chances. And I think Leipzig could have scored. And it, it, it made it for a really interesting mixed zone after the game, Bryce, because I spoke to the Bayern, Bayern player. I spoke to David Alaba. I spoke to Manuel Neuer. Um had a had a brief chat to uh, Thomas Müller. Leon Goretzka was through the mix zone, and they all were disappointed about the result. And then you spoke to Tyler Adams. Is of course always great when you speak to him. He gives you very detailed information because you know in America I and mean, the, the the PR is just um, they they're very well schooled. And he really explained that his tactical setup of Nagelsmann quite well. I thought. Um, so he was very sunny boy about it. But you also with him you got the senses like look. Yes, it's great that we got a point here, but we would have also kind of liked to have three. And Sabitzer was very, very disappointed with not putting away the with his away his chance and getting the three points. So it's, it's kind of like both sides were Bayern were okay. Well, look, we could have probably almost gotten 
the title decider here in Leipzig, we, like, we could have gotten top again. And um, in a way, I was a bit disappointed with the first half. The second half I thought was really good, but I think that both teams kind of walked away with a sense, okay, we played a very good game here, but the draw was maybe was justified, but we both, both had wanted more from this game. Yeah, that's it. I, I think we were all disappointed that there was no goals in the game, but it wasn't exactly a boring one, was it? Um, I think it was very interesting uh, from several uh, point of views. Um, Manu, it, it seems like Bayern are being uh, linked with a few defenders at the moment. Um, any likelihoods of them bringing in any in, in the future? I mean, they've, they've had a few injuries, haven't they, this season? And it, it seems like an area that they, they really need to address. Yeah, so I did actually a piece on that today on Forbes and I actually did a piece last night on Transfermarkt. So I don't want to forget them. They are my main employer. So yeah, there's a, there's a great article up on Segino Dest, um, a right back from Ajax. Um, if you are a listener from the United States, I know we have a lot of you. Um, you will find this very interesting because even though he was born in the Netherlands, he's a U.S. citizen. Uh, he's chosen to play for the United States over the Netherlands. Um, his father is Surinamese born, half Surinamese, half American, has an American passport, which makes Dest eligible to play for the United States. It's a very good player. Uh, Seguino Dest is a very, very talented player. It's kind of the, the mere version of Alfonso Davies and Bayern really like to play, um, their wingbacks, especially in the Bundesliga, almost like wingers, which allows them, the, the, the wingers that actually play in the position to collapse into the middle, right? And, Segino Dest definitely offers them that. Now, Segino Dest is an interesting one. Hasan Salihamidzic has learned from his past mistakes, I guess, and he said um, about any player that we ask him, with one exception, I get to that, that uh, he's a player from another club, and I will not comment. Um, we do know that Segino Dest was in Munich on Wednesday to watch the Hoffenheim game. We do know that... Um, Bayern went in with an offer over the winter for 20 million euros. Ajax said no, they want 30. And we do know that the two will likely meet at 26 million euros and that it looks like, I mean, the player was already, and we know unless he holds up the shirt with the photo and all that kind of stuff, but it looks like this deal will get across the line for around 26 million euros. Fantastic signing. Would explain why they only signed Alvaro Oreo Sola on a loan deal for for half a year because Dest would be a long-term solution. He's 19 years old. He's basically the Alfonso Davies on the right wing, which is would be a fantastic addition. Now, the other one is Dayut Obermeikano. He plays for Leipzig. He is under contract until 2021. Um, we have him as a transfer market value of 50 million euros, so $55 million. Uh, his exit clause next summer is 60 million euros, so if you're in the States, $66 million. Um, we have a sense that that will that could be one that Bayern will look at in the summer. Now Leipzig is a tricky one because even though his contract is up in 2021, they will not let him go for anything less than the exit clause to a league competitor because they will be clubs and Chris can probably throw in a few names uh, in a moment here, but uh, Arsenal were very much linked to him. I, I'm sure City would want him. I'm sure your guys' club, Liverpool, will take a very close look at him. 60 million euros for a defender of Dayot Mikano statue is not a lot of money. So I think that um, if Bayern really want this guy, they will have to pay the exit clause because Leipzig will not just hand over a piece um, to one of their competitors for nothing. So these are the things that are pretty much going on. But yeah, I, again, um, Hasan Salihamidzic uh, said no comment. He was also asked about Timo Werner. Um, and this was a cheeky question. I didn't ask this. Um, 
um, one of my colleagues asked this and um, they asked him whether he thought it was the right decision not to sign Timo Werner because he missed those two chances. I, I think that's a little harsh uh, considering he scored 20 goals in 21 games this year. And again, Salihamidz just said no comments about players under contract. But yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, uh, Chris, Dayot Mekano, a defender, looks a lot like a young Jerome Boateng, considering the amount of players that Bayern had out with injuries in their centre-back position, Alaba playing out of position, etc. I mean, this is a kind of player, if they can get him, they have to get him. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I think he would uh, be an exceptional um, poach for Bayern because of what he brings. I think he's a really, really good player. I mean, he, I think his reading of the game as a centre-back is excellent. But yeah, you're quite right. Uh, Manchester City are, are very interested in him. Um, Pep Guardiola is is going to oversee um, if he stays, which uh, <laughs> that's probably a, a conversation for a different day. But if he stays and he oversees a Manchester City rebuild um, to try and get back um, to, to being champions, they're going to need a central defender. Um, they've been without their main one um, this for most of the season. And Upamakano fits the bill. And I think Manchester City are, are really... Are looking at that, and and the problem that Bayern might have um, is that Manchester City were, were quite aggrieved by the way that Bayern behaved in the transfer market in the summer. So it might be maybe in their impetus to to go in and get him before they can do that. Um, he'll obviously be tempted with the sort of money that Manchester City can throw at him. Um, does he want to move to the Premier League or does he want to move to Bayern? I, I think we could probably rule Arsenal out of it, um, and that's no disrespect to Mikel Arteta and his team there. That he's, that he's building, but Arsenal are very much in a transitionary phase and I think a step down for Upper Meccano at the minute. He's playing a Leipzig side who are battling for the title um, and he's got two potential clubs who are, who are battling for titles as well. So I think Arsenal would be completely the wrong move, especially if you've got the likes of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang constantly um, hinting that he could be moving on at some point. So yeah, I think Arsenal have, have maybe played themselves out of that move, but yeah, Bayern will have to pay for him because 60 million euros to a club like Manchester City is pocket change at the moment. Um, and we all know how rich Bayern are, cash rich they are. So I think they will be forced to, um, to, to, to pay the right price. They won't be able to, you know, make him stay and pick him up cheap because there's some really big clubs in the rest of Europe that are looking at him. Yeah. Also, I think the way that Bayern handled the, the whole Timo, Timo Werner situation, you know, they kind of hoped that his contract would run out and then they said, oh, no, sorry, uh, we're not interested after all. Um, kind of gives an indication that maybe other Leipzig players wouldn't necessarily wait for them, right? And then, then of course, today uh, there was the story on the weekend that they have doubts over whether they want to sign Kai Havertz for 130 million euros from Bayer Leverkusen. Um, usually have doubts over signing a certain player means that maybe the player has made a decision and wants to go somewhere else. Um, we had this now with, with several players, right? Erling Haaland as being one of them. He was deemed as not ready to sit and wait for Lewandowski. Um, we all know that Haaland already had a made decision to either go to Leipzig over Dor- or Dortmund instead of Bayern, right? So here, this kind of stuff, you think, hmm, uh, maybe they just don't have a chance to maybe get this guy. So it's an interesting one, but I, I, I don't think Dayot Ubermecano, he's a young French lad. He, he will not have that. You know, a lot of young German players want to go to Bayern because it's it, it's in Germany. It's the biggest club in Germany. It's one of the biggest clubs in Europe. You can basically stay at home. You don't have to make that risky jump abroad. Um, I don't think Ubermecano will have that. And I'm certain that if Leipzig get a bid in for 60 million euros, 
Um, they will not go to Bayern, oh, here you go, you can have them for 30. That will just not happen. Um, and I don't think they will have to worry about this because Leipzig next year, even if they lose over Meccano, their pipeline of bringing in young players is incredible. And they will just go and promote one of the other many young centre-backs that they have or go back for Robin Koch, who plays for Freiburg, right, and bring him in instead. And their goal is long-term to be a big club and challenge Bayern for the title. So they will not just supply Bayern with the best players like so many other clubs in Germany have done. Yes, indeed. We'll have to see where he ends up. You never know. He he may stay on, but I think with such a talent and so many big clubs snooping around, it's going to be hard to keep him at RB Leipzig. Um, one final question then. I'm just going to go to Chris before we wrap it up. and we You can keep it as brief or as long as you want, Chris. Um, do you feel that uh, RB Leipzig are, are now possibly out of it? Um, I mean, Obviously, Dortmund still have a chance to win the title, but um, it's very difficult after this. A win would have left them in a different position. Do you feel that uh, Bayern are going to kick on now and probably win yet another title? I'm going to say no at the moment. I'm going to say that based on what I said a couple of weeks ago, where if you want to win the league, I think no matter who you are, you've got to take four points off your rival. Um, And that's not happened to either of these sides. They've obviously drawn both their games now. So um, there's only a one-point gap at the top. We've seen in the past, maybe in the first half of the season, Bayern play really, really good football and then fall apart a little bit. Not seen that at all since the end of the... um, or since the winter break ended. Excuse me. However, as Manu's said in great detail, and, and as you've chatted about there, had Leipzig had their scoring boots on, they could have taken all three points there. Um, and, and then, you know, we're looking at a gap um, back to Leipzig. I think there's plenty more twists and turns in this um, season yet to come. Obviously, Gladbach have got that game in hand. Um, Dortmund, you don't really know what you're going to get at the minute with them. Um, Bayern have, shall we say, what looks to be an easy match away at um, Cologne next at FC Kern. That has been a potential banana skin, those sort of matches in the past 18, 24 months for them. Um, so maybe that isn't as done as dusted. And then Leipzig, of course, are hosting Werder Bremen, who are relegation material. But we saw what Werder Bremen are capable of in the Pokal against Dortmund. So I, I wouldn't write anything off yet. And the fact that Dortmund are playing Frankfurt, who had a wonderful result over the weekend um, against Mainz on the Friday night, 5-0 winners. We could be in a position, Bryce, that this time when we speak next week, we're all on the same points and that wouldn't shock me either. No, not at all. You just don't know which way the Bundesliga is going to twist and turn at the moment. And as you mentioned, Chris, we we do have some uh, interesting games coming up this weekend with Cologne hosting uh, Bayern Munich. RB Leipzig will be taking on Werner Bremen. I suppose we've got to mention a team that we haven't really touched on, Borussia Mönchengladbach, because they'll have that game in hand because no game this week. We'll be uh, playing away to Fortuna on the late game on Saturday. But it all kicks off with Borussia Dortmund taking on Eintracht Frankfurt on Friday evening. Um, guys, I feel that more or less does it. Um, we, I think we've, we've done pretty well to cover so many topics and, and well, even get a podcast together with the stormy weather that's been taking place. Um just to go to you, Manu, what have you got coming up this week um, and and hopefully that you can get to? Yeah, I'm in the office. Um, feels odd to say that I'm in the transfer market office for, the, for a couple of days for meetings. 
And then um, I'm back to Munich on Thursday. Uh, sorry, Wednesday. And then on Friday, I have um, an Austrian Bundesliga game. I'm invited to go rep see Red Bull Salzburg take on Las Glintz. Um, which should be a very interesting game. There's a couple of young German players in the Salzburg system that I'm I'm really interested to to look at, and we're going to have some stories on them on Transfermarkt. So I'm going to do this, and then um, the traditionalists traditionalists in Germany should probably cover their ears now because I'm going from one Red Bull club straight to another. I'm going to drive from Salzburg to Munich and then jump on a train on Saturday morning and take a train to Leipzig and watch Leipzig and Tyler Adams take on. Werder Bremen with hopefully Josh Sargent because I'm planning to do a story on the two of them in the Bundesliga um, on Saturday. So that's the content I'm looking for um, over this next week. Very exciting stuff. And yes, hopefully all your travel goes rather smoothly. And Chris, uh, may I ask what you've got coming up this week? Have, have you got anywhere near as busy as what Manu does? I don't know if I'm going to be that busy, but I've still got plenty going on. Uh, obviously, I'm in Hamburg here. Um, have been for for a day or so here for the next couple of days, uh, catching up with Manu. Um, I've got some stuff that's out on Forbes um, today, a couple of articles, um, Premier League specific, um, but will be of great interest if you're obviously a German football fan because you will know all about, say, standing that operates in, in Germany and has done for a very long time. And there's potential for it to um, be brought in, in, in England's top two tiers. So obviously the championship, EFL championship in the Premier League, um, I spoke to, a very knowledgeable guy called John Darsh, who um, himself is into German football um, and knows a lot about safe standing. So there's there's a piece on Forbes that there's also um, a piece on Forbes about the Premier League potentially doing their own streaming um, in what's been dubbed Prem Flicks. So uh, Premier League Netflix in the next couple of seasons. Um, and then I've got some Bundesliga content coming out um, at the back end of the week. Obviously, there's the match report on fishballstat.com from from the game on on Saturday night which was the um the thriller in Leverkusen the 4-3 so check that out um and obviously check out the highlights package as well but yes yeah, plenty of stuff going on Bryce um I've got some esports um Bundesliga esports um news coming out towards the back end of this week's embargoed at the moment but that'll be out soon um so yeah plenty going on Goodness me, that list uh, could have went on for ages with the two of you. But um, as always, very busy, which is great to see and hear. Um, anyway, that more or less does it for this week on the Gag and Press and, uh, podcast. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. The games will be back before we know it. Plenty more twists and turns, as I already said. Make sure you tune in and get in touch if you'd like, where you always can. Especially, um, you can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11 or head over to Rad Live. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn, and until next week, I'll be your Zen. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied. Immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht, komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.